Hi, I'm Tyra G., your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal listeners. Yes, you. Fearsome and generous, humble and honest in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. Every week, we meet at this table to experience, inspire, educate, encourage, and empower each other through both our joys and our lessons learned. We share topics that tradition tells us there are some things you just don't talk about. But here, we live beyond both the judgment and the wreckage. We share some aha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for too long. Every week, we start right where we are. Although many of your voices will speak light into darkness, there is no insignificant person around this table. However, you must come dressed in your inner awesome, believing that impossible is merely a word to describe the degree of difficulty. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia Cablecast on Cox and Verizon Files, Channel 37, and Comcast, Channel 27 in Reston, and webcast worldwide on the internet at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Should you miss us, no worries. You can hear our archive shows wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Just key in, frankly speaking, with Tyra G. Or visit the media room on my website, tyragarlington.com. And if you feel like connecting with me offline, that's easy too. Email me at tyra, tyragarlington.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme song. And for naming it, I'm listening. Today we have another story to add to our Frankly Speaking Library catalog, entitled, Were It Not For Those Who Care. There's a a saying that I read somewhere that meant a lot to me. It said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. This journey called life seems necessarily codependent. To create our common thought space for today, I will ask one of my favorite questions. What if? I believe those two words are pregnant with possibilities. So, what if you believe the greatest service you could offer in this life is to be a light on the path? Your affirmation might say, today I'm devoted to shining the light of compassionate support and service on those who may be in need. Author Iyana Van Sant suggested in her book, Until Today, published in 2000, that at night, the ocean can be a huge, dark place. When riding the seas, you can never know for sure if the water will be calm or turbulent. You never know if you will drift off course or run aground. That's why they're lighthouses. When ships lose their way, They're guided by the lighthouse. When there's trouble or danger at sea, 
you can seek refuge by the lighthouse. In the midst of the storm, the lighthouse will always guide the ship safely to shore. Best of all, there is always someone in the lighthouse waiting. Be that someone. Be a lighthouse. Let your life be a shining symbol for others. Let everything you do be of service to someone. Stand tall in the knowledge of who you are. Stand proudly during tough times. Be aware of who you are. And what you must offer can be a beacon to some lost soul. Be a lighthouse keeper. Be on the lookout for lost souls. Be alert to those who may be in need and have nowhere to go or no way to get there. Be a lighthouse to a child. Guide a child. Protect a child. You don't have to say much. Just let the, no the child know you're there. Be a lighthouse to an elder. Someone who has traveled the sea of life but now needs a bit of warmth and comfort. Perhaps a cup of tea and some interesting conversation. Be a lighthouse to a young man or woman who have lost their footing or maybe losing their direction in life. Remember, no matter what condition, a windblown sailor reaches the lighthouse. Whatever condition he's in, the keeper is always welcoming. The keeper always has something on hand or knows what to do to get you up and sailing again. Again, your affirmation might say, Today, I am devoted to shining the light of compassionate support and service on those who may be in need. My guest today represents an organization, Catholic Charities of Arlington, who has been a lighthouse for those in need since 1947. Now, now, don't let that name mislead you, Catholic Charities of Arlington. Since 1947, when it first opens, it opened its doors as an adoption agency and children's service agency, Catholic Charities have served the needs of the vulnerable, regardless of their faith. On behalf of the Catholic Church in the northern part of Virginia, I welcome to the table Mr. Ron Wiggins, Chairman of the Board and Member Extraordinaire with the Servant's Heart. He will first add his personal story to our human library and then excite us with the why, the core values that embody and empower this organization, Catholic Charities of Arlington, to do what they do and how they do it. Ron, the mic is yours to let our audience experience you in your own words. Well, thank you, Tyra, for, um, for hosting tonight. And uh, what a blessing to be here with you and a blessing to all of your listeners. I, uh, you know, I was once um, very focused on my career, on personal success, a materialistic focus, and, and um, just... Uh, caught up in in terms of my professional reputation national reputation and, and uh, but i had lost my way and on the on the morning of september 11th 2001 i was in my office on the 22nd floor 
in Arlington, Virginia, overlooking a ball of fire and smoke coming out of the Pentagon. Mm. And that was a a moment of awakening. Mm -hmm. And it was a moment of realizing that I had abandoned my faith. And I, I was the prodigal son desiring to come home. And I realized that I was on the wrong path. And at that point, I decided that uh, I, I needed to join the Catholic Church to, to be with my wife and my children. And I had basically uh, abandoned them in, in their faith. And uh, so, so I entered the church. And as I was entering the church, uh, the, the Lord was just stirring things in, in my heart. And, and I, I was just wondering, what? are you asking of me, Lord? Hmm. One day I, w- I went to a church downtown D.C. And, and just prayed for three hours, just praying. What are you asking of me? Why, why are you making me feel this way? It was just such a radical change in me. Mm-hmm. And at that point, um, a homeless man walked into the chapel that I was praying in. His name was Kenneth. I'll never forget that name, Kenneth. And he said, sir, can you help me? And at that moment, there was this electric feeling just raced through my body. And I I knew the Lord was answering my prayer. And it was so simple. Uh, He he said, I've blessed you. Now extend my blessing to others. Mm. So I I gave the money that I had in my pocket to, to Kenneth. And I prayed with him. I had never prayed with anybody before, and and uh, but it, this was just that moment of conversion um, it, where I was realizing it's just not about me and my relationship with God, but it, it's about loving neighbor and and sharing in the blessings in so many different ways. So that led me to volunteering with Catholic charities, which then led to my. Uh, election to the board. I've now been on the board for over 12 years. Mm. I was a liaison to a uh, transitional housing program for homeless families, and they were trying to become stabilized, and then eventually uh, elected chairman and and, uh, have have served in a variety of capacities on the board, and, and this has just become such a part of my life and and i i'm just very blessed that god broke into my life on that day of tragedy of 9 11 mm-hmm. to, to wake me up to then go and uh, in the midst of that tragedy recognize that others needed to be served and uh, so uh, that's why i serve uh, and uh, you know, it's just become uh, such a heartfelt compassion of mine. I can tell. It's interesting. Um, it's like you were my straight man because your church and your family became your lighthouse. Yes. And yeah, they, very, very yeah, and um, they, uh, I guess, supported, uh, put their arms around you, and uh, said, yes, we can do this. And the one thing I love, my faith tells me that at any point we can go there. We can go to God, you know. And uh, I love the question that Kenneth asked because he said, sir, can you help me? And you said, God, what am I supposed to do? And it was like a conversation, right? Yes, very much of a conversation. 
that and is he something. answered that prayer yeah. so right away and when god answers your prayers you know it i mean it, it it's hard to explain but you know that you know that you know <laughs> that that prayer has been answered and i think uh Speaking, speaking on prayer, we don't, we don't need to have church. Uh, but the one thing that uh, becomes important is to understand he always answers it, but it's not always yes. It's sometimes not yet. And, and the faith part comes in when you think about the fact that he knows what's best for us. You know, he may answer a prayer that puts us in a situation that we're not ready for or that we don't need. And so that's the part I love about God is that there's a divine mystery in how he blesses us. Uh, but before we go astray, when we talk about you join the Catholic Church and you are chairman of the board of Catholic Charities of Arlington, everybody listening is not a member of the Catholic Church, it may not un understand the structure, but can you marry the two? Um, where does the leadership live? Is it in the church? Is it in the charities? Uh, help us understand how they work together and the fact that they serve everyone. Um, sure. That, great question there. So a Catholic Charities is a 501c3. Okay. So we are, are separately organized than the Catholic Diocese of Arlington. The Catholic Diocese of Arlington serves basically Northern Virginia, uh, you know, 21 counties, seven independent cities, um, and Catholic Charities serves that same population base. However, we have a, a fiduciary board, and our fiduciary board includes lay people as well as priests, and our sole member is the bishop, who is the bishop of the, of the Catholic Diocese of Arlington. Okay. And so we work in collaboration with the diocese and the 70 Catholic parishes that are in, uh, in, in the diocese. And so we can have separate partnerships with the, the individual parishes, uh, and we can operate separately, but it, it's important to unite together, to lock our arms together, because we are more effective mm -hmm. when we can work together. And so uh, even though we're independent as, as an, a corporate entity, mm -hmm. we cannot operate uh, independently. We need to be involved in the church. But then um, we, we have this little saying, we serve because we're Catholic, not because those that we serve are Catholic. So we serve all backgrounds, all faiths, all circumstances. Every person is created in the image and likeness of God. And so every person is, uh, is to be served with dignity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of, of where they come from, uh, you know, what language that they might speak, etc. Yes, so yes. Every person has dignity because God created that person. God thought about that person and brought that person into life. And, and I so think um, if God did that. Yes. We need to serve them. And I think what what I liked uh, when I was studying your website. 
I wanted to see your messaging. And what I liked was a tagline that said, lives transformed. And uh, can you make that, that concept uh, live for us? What, what, what lives are you trying to transform and in what ways? Uh, a beautiful question. The, you know, when we serve our people, uh, our, our, you know, I mean, we could call them clients, but th- those that we serve, usually if they are the poorest of the poor, the most vulnerable, the immigrant, they don't need just food or they don't need just housing. Yes. They probably need many things. And, and in fact, what we have seen with some of, of the, our refugees that we have resettled, mm-hmm. some of the homeless people that we are, are trying to uh, put into transitional housing to stabilize their lives, usually there's three or four things that they, um, they need help, and including counseling. Yes. Um, and there's, and, and the, usually there's uh, some medical needs. So we're talking about transforming the whole person. Okay. And we're just not trying to give them the meal for today so that they're not hungry today. We're, we're trying to help them so that they, their lives can be transformed so that uh, in time, uh, with God's grace, they will be able to live independently or, or improve the situation that they're in. And I think um, a couple of things as I was listening to you, I have uh, actually worked with um, the people who are homeless in Annandale, and obviously they were new Americans. And one of the big things we had to learn was cultural competence. We could not impose what we think of do and priorities of America on another culture. For instance, many of the addresses were in Korean. And if you had a 911 call, then the the first responders couldn't figure out where the people were. So we had to put an initiative together so that the addresses were in both English and Korean. So there are things like, oh, really? Yeah. And then... um, things like working with Asian populations and uh, the children were in school and they were the only ones that spoke English. And just like you said, the seniors needed medical attention but couldn't communicate. So you had the children in school as translators. Well, guess what? It's against the Asian culture to talk about those things in front of children. So when we talk about helping, when you talk about what you do, everything is noble but everything is not easy. So why don't you, like you just put it all together, people don't just need food for today. They, they right. need food for tomorrow. They need food for their spirit. They need clothing. They need all kinds of things that say you're worthy. So how do you, as Catholic Charities, speak to, you mentioned immigrant populations twice, I think, how do you reach them, put your embrace them, and not offend them? Because that's a, a tight, it's a tight rope to walk sometimes. What do you do? Yeah, and they, you know, that is such a great observation. And, and uh, you know, so, so 
So first we have 21, 20, 21 programs um, that, that, be, that we can serve their, their physical needs uh, and, and some of their emotional and mental needs. Um, so, so we have those programs, but we also have people that are bilingual. Some are, are more than bilingual, uh, multilingual. Yes, yes, um, yes. So, so, so first, uh, it, it, we have to have that ability to communicate with them in, in their language, particularly if it's an immigrant population, such as you mentioned with the Koreans. Mm-hmm. Right now, um, the, you know, in, over the past, uh, well, since September, we have resettled close to 1,000 Afghan refugees. Oh, my. So these are the people that were scrambling to get yes. onto the planes to yes. get out of Afghanistan because their lives are uh, being threatened. Yes. And um, so we have people that are not Catholic. They uh, are from Afghanistan that are on our staff who mm-hmm. are able to communicate with them. Yes. Who understand um the, the particular cultural aspects so that we can, um, as, they, as they become new Americans here, um, we're able to integrate them into our culture without um, offending them. Yes. W- without making them feel uncomfortable. Now, of course, there's always challenges in, the, yes. in, in that regard. But yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So So even though we are a a Catholic nonprofit, mm-hmm. not everybody who works for us is, uh, is required to be Catholic. Yes. And so we have people of, of different faiths that work for us. But these same people uh, that, w- that work for us have that same compassion. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, their hearts are open. Their hearts want to uh, serve those that are in need. Yes. And so, um, so that, that is an important aspect. So, um we don't we don't proselytize those who we are serving yes. now if if they choose to ask us why are you doing this um what why is your heart open to us mm-hmm. then we're happy to share that but we're we're not trying to convert them um we're but we are trying to recognize their dignity and to meet them where they are, yes, yes, exactly. And sometimes uh, we were delivering a truck of uh, what was needed to a hotel where Afghans had been uh, uh, resettled for the moment, and just the basics. You know, they came with nothing, as you know. And it was right. interesting. We went from uh, people who just tore into the truck. You know, so grateful, so humble. Then there were men who would not let their women, their wives, come or be seen. And uh, we took clothing because they didn't have any, and, of course, some resisted because they're holding on to what they have left, which is their culture. And uh, so you're so right, and I'm, I applaud the fact that you do have people there who uh, look like, who can mirror the people you're trying to help, because that breaks down a lot of barriers right away. It, it does. It does. And um, there, um, the, the, you know, although we integrate our Catholic faith in terms of the way we 
uh, we serve, mm-hmm. we do it because God tells us that in, in Matthew 25, that we are to serve the least mm-hmm. uh, and that we will be judged based on how we serve the, uh, the least. Um, but but we, we recognize that other people have that same calling. Um, and, and so th- they may have a different faith, um, but the, their, their God, our God, has placed on our hearts the need to serve these people, to, to uh, serve their, their physical needs, and to also help them uh, medically and in and, and their mental health. Because somebody that is evacuated, a country like Afghanistan, Yes. Um, is severely impacted. The children uh, particularly are impacted and uh, need counseling. So we have to have people that, that understand that, that not only have that sense of compassion, but realize it's the whole person that needs to be served, not just a meal or just clothing or just the housing. Now, you all, you all, listen to me, Southern, you all, um, what I'm thinking about as I listen to you is Catholic Charities of Arlington with all of these programs doing good work. Are you getting resistance from any place? Are you getting resistance from the neighbors, like not in my backyard if you're trying to do something with housing? You know, the, I think they're set aside for affordable housing. But what kind of challenges? Let's just forget what I said. What kind of challenges do you run into as you try to bless the people you try to bless? Uh, Yes, we do face those challenges. And uh, there are are those who don't share that same compassion that that live in our area, and we know that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but... Um, you know, one of the first things is, is that we, we try to convey that we we don't have a political agenda. You know, we're 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 not a you know it's it's not a democratic position. It's not a republican uh, position. Uh, it's a humanitarian position. Jesus has told us that you know, we, we are to care for the poor, to protect the vulnerable, to welcome the stranger. And, and so that's what we're doing. We're, we're serving out uh, what the gospel says, uh, and, and it's uh, the social justice. So we, we try to convey that uh, and, and, and help people understand that yeah, it doesn't matter whether it's um, President Trump or President Biden uh, who's in office. The person is hurting um, they have a, a humanitarian need, and, and we need to meet that. So it, we, we try to convey that first. Um, there will naturally be people who are going to resist mm-hmm. uh, the, the immigrant, somebody that uh, perhaps speaks a di- different language. Or the person uh, that's homeless. Or the person that's homeless. The person yes, that's dirty. Much. The person that's in the streets. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the per- I, no. Here's here's what here's what I'm trying to say. Resents the person who's different. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and and one of the most beautiful things um, is to spend time mm-hmm. with the, the the person being assisted in these programs. Pope Benedict has has written a, a document that he's 
um, our, our retired pope. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he wrote a document called Deus Caritas S, which is God is love. And he talks about the, the, uh, at the point of charity that uh, Christ is present. That is the moment of conversion, not only for the person receiving, but for the person giving. Absolutely. Um, because Christ is present in, in that situation. And um, it, if, if only some of those people who um, resent, uh, say, a housing project in, in their general neighborhood, Yes. Uh, if only they could talk to these people, just spend a few minutes with them. It, it would be a, a moment of conversion for them. Um, one of the things that I do uh, outside of Catholic Charities is I, I help people come into the Catholic Church. And, and so every year we take this group of people um, to the downtown parks where are there are so many homeless. Yes. And we feed them and we pray with them and we talk with them and just a couple of hours of doing that work and the people that are are looking to enter the church are transformed yes because they have encountered this homeless person they've understood why Mm -hmm. the person is homeless maybe it was lost a job maybe it was an addiction something else but um that just having that short little dialogue recognizes the dignity of that person that that is homeless, and so the person that is given the charity uh, is is blessed and will always remember that encounter, and they will remember the name of the person, like like I remembered Kenneth. Yes. Uh, at the beginning, he transformed the way I look at things. A few minute conversation with Kenneth change the course of, of my life. And so that, so uh, if, if only we could introduce more people to those that, that need this type of help, it would transform them. And so, but uh, it, it is, it's a constant uh, challenge. Yes. And uh, so we, we just continue to explain why we're doing this and talking about the dignity of the person that we're, we're serving. Um, and one of the things that, that is, is very helpful uh, for, for uh, people of faith, of, of Christian faith, is to remember that uh, when Jesus was under two years old, Herod was trying to kill all those yes. under two years old. Yes. And Jesus's family had to flee to Egypt. They were refugees. Yes. They were fleeing from persecution. Yes. And look what happened uh, when they fled um, to Egypt. I mean, uh, yeah, Jesus could have been killed at two years old, but uh, he went to Egypt. That's, uh, and so there we see a situation where a refugee changed the course of the world. So we and don't know who the, we're serving. Yeah, and, and I, I'm, of course, I think in pictures, that's that's me. But um, I think we don't articulate uh, America is made up of refugees, okay? We would not be who we are. You know, think of the people who came here and think of the people who were here. And 
but a lot of people have a difficulty in a realistic mirror. Uh, it's difficult for them to hear. But what I what I like is the fact that no matter what, you continue. And I'm thinking you, you've used the pronoun we a lot. And to do all that you do, I'm thinking you must have a volunteer army. And I'm wondering if you spend a few minutes talking about who are these people? How do you get them to come? I mean, you know, please come work with Catholic charities of Arlington. We're going into a, a camp that's homeless and people are dirty and they don't have food and we're going to give them food. Wouldn't you like to come? Yeah. Who are these people that uh, say yes to you? Yes to God. Yes to humanity. Who are they? What a great question. Well, so, so first off, we have close to 180 employees. Okay. There is no way we could do all the work that we do with 180 employees. We would, ha we would have to be much smaller. Um, but what we do have is, and, and there's never an exact number, but roughly 3,500 volunteers yes. over the course of the year that, that assist us. And um, so the way they come to us, uh, we um, this, this is part of our collaboration, so to speak, with the diocese and with parishes. Um, the, the, um, the priests at, at the different parishes will talk about the programs mm -hmm. and, and Catholic charities and how we serve. So, so that is one way that um, just letting people know what we do. Um, we publicize uh, through our website and, and newsletters, and, um, social media, mm -hmm. the, the, the work that we do. Um, and it, 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 it's amazing. People hear that story and mm. they show up. Now, one of the other things that we do um, is for, for confirmation age, uh, we so that these are eighth graders. Um, they're required to do service projects. Yes. And, and, uh -huh. and so part, part of what they can do is, is work with Catholic Charities programs. So all of the, all the parishes understand that uh, there is a place to volunteer. But the beauty is an eighth grader can't drive. So the parent has to come. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's an interesting strategy. I like that. And, um, but um, we, we also uh, have a lot of corporations that work with us. Uh -huh. And um, so, so far we've only talked about Catholics, um, but uh, there, there's a number of corporations mm -hmm. that have work days uh, or volunteer days. Right. And so they, um, you know, the big accounting firms that are in the, Tyson's Corner area, for example, you'll get a whole crew of people that come, and maybe a couple of them are Catholic, and the rest are um, interfaith. Uh, and so they come to some of our programs. We have several programs where it's very conducive to volunteer work. Yes. And um, so it's a moment of encounter for them. Um, and, and when they realize the scope of the poverty uh, that that's out here, and, and often you think of Northern Virginia as being one of the richest areas in the country, and it is. 
but we also have a lot of poverty. And it's a very expensive place to live. I think it's the second or third most expensive county, yeah, second or third, in the country. And there were people saying, what do you mean we have people who are homeless in Fairfax County? Until uh, I think one of the Board of Supervisor members, uh, members was jogging and looked to her left to find a highly established camp with their own governing board and everything of people who were homeless. Yes, we have people living below the poverty line here. And there are several reasons we don't need to go into that here. But, um, yeah, Fairfax County is like the rest of the world. We have the haves and the have-nots. That's right. And so when you begin to take people out of high-performing jobs, generally in accounting firms and law firms and um, uh, you know the the Exxon's etc. Then uh, the, those kinds of firms, and when you take their people um, and, and bring them to these um, these offices that we have, uh, you know, the the food pantries, for example. Yes, yes. They they their eyes are opened, mm-hmm. and so even though they're not Catholic, they continue to come back, and then. Um, Catholic Charities works with a lot of other partners uh, of interfaith and ecumenical and governmental um, groups. And uh, the problem is so big that it needs all of us um, working at this. And and so um, we wind up having volunteers that um, are, are of other faiths uh, that that want to um, do their part, uh, give of their time, give of their treasure, give of their talent to be able to um, to serve the poor, and so and and it's that it's that interesting part of volunteerism that when someone volunteers and encounters the poor and then just has a glimpse of of the issues. Um, that that face uh, those that don't have um, that they wind up um, not not only being awakened uh, through the volunteerism, but then they really begin to give more deeply in terms of their talent and yes, their treasure. Absolutely. Don't forget that this month is uh, Volunteer Appreciation Month, Mister yes. Mister yes. Chairman of the Board. Don't forget yes. that. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for that reminder. Yes. <laughs> I do so. want to, I, you know, I have a lot of questions, of course, sure. but um, I'm thinking of all that you have to do, and most of it is pushing out to the community. What, what has been the effect of the pandemic on your mission and your goals? I mean, what did you do when you couldn't go out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we uh, we started meeting. We had a a a group, uh, basically our executive committee of the board. Mm -hmm. Um, We were meeting two and three times a week with the executive management. Okay. uh, By by Zoom, Uh, Mm -hmm. and we were discussing um, 
how we might, in, in the first week or so, we were discussing how we might have to trim certain programs because we didn't know if we would have the capability to deliver services. We didn't know that people would continue to donate because uh-huh. uh, we rely very heavily on donations. And um, what happened was we were able to transform our program so that they were no touch or, or you know, social distancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, within a week, uh, we, we purchased um, I, I can't even remember how many new computers that all had uh, video capability for, for people to be able to work at home. Uh, and so we we made that kind of investment. And almost overnight, we were able to switch how we deliver services so that it was it was a, a lower touch. But at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the demand soared. I know. Because unemployment went very high, and so suddenly we had lines wrapped around the block for food, mm-hmm. uh, for emergency assistance, to be able to pay rent, to be able to pay utilities. And you know, we're wondering, are we going to be able to meet that? Well, the next thing we knew, we were getting unsolicited phone calls, people that had never given to us before, mm. uh, you know, um, donors that had been giving us small amounts were suddenly sending big checks. Uh, and the generosity was amazing. I, uh, it, was, it was, so we grew significantly mm. yeah. uh, over the last two years. Um, we needed more staff. We had to upgrade all of our computer systems. Uh, we had uh, buy buy the uh, new equipment. We uh, upgraded our social media, um, and then at the, at, at the same time, uh, it's sort of transforming uh, the way we deliver um, to to those who we serve mm-hmm. in, in a far more efficient way, and. Uh, and, and then we were getting the, these donations. Plus, we were able to uh, participate in, in a number of government grants. There were a lot of counties that had grants for uh, organizations like us to mm-hmm. be able to feed and to be able to provide emergency assistance for rent and utilities. And um, so, so the, the, a county government may not be able to deliver as efficiently to that kind of population. Yes, they uh, need the nonprofits. We, yeah, yeah. So, so we um, we uh, had a significant increase in the the resources to be able to serve. So, we we wound up opening a new clinic during the middle of the pandemic. It was our second free clinic. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, and. Um, and that was uh, that was one of the areas where you know, we continued to have to have, be in contact. You know, a little harder social distance at a medical clinic, but mm-hmm. um, there were a number of things that we were able to do. Um, yeah, we uh, shifted our counseling, mm-hmm. which had often been in uh, in person. We were able to uh, switch that to either Zoom or to. Um, to telephones uh, for not everybody, but but a lot of the cases. So um, 
our agency was transformed during the pandemic because we had to become more efficient. We had to hire new people. And uh, so we probably added 30 people in two years. You know what I think as well, Ron, when I listen to many stories about the pandemic, in many ways the pandemic lit up a lot of dark areas and gave people the option to get better, do better, or not. And, uh, you know, we complain sometimes, oh, you know, another Zoom meeting. But I'm thinking, you know, like in Rotary, I'm in Rotary in Virginia, and I was able to go to Rotary in uh, the Far East, you know, because Uh people were so dependent on communicating uh, technologically. So um, I I don't ever see anything as all bad or all good. The pandemic forced us to grow. It was painful. We still have residue. But it also began to have a lot of people saying, what if, my favorite question, what if, or could we, or why not? And I think those are all growth questions, all positive questions. Um, I don't want to um, go too far away without asking. You've kind of alluded to how do you all fund Catholic Charities? I know you talked about donations, individual donations and corporate donations. Do you have fund drives? Do you have an event? What do you do? Uh, Great question. So so about half of our revenue um, uh, comes from uh, contributors. So um, we, have, we, we kind of break them down between major gifts. So the, these are our larger donors, mm-hmm. um, as well as those that respond to our appeals, a number of uh, our, our newsletters and our quarterly appeals uh, or, or online uh, giving. So that, that's about half. Um, and then uh, we, we have about 25% that comes from uh, well, a couple of different sources. One, uh, it will be those county grants that I was mentioning. Okay. Uh, the, the other is through um, a, a state department program. So this, the U.S. State Department will uh, provide funds to the uh, U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, mm-hmm. who arranges with Catholic charities throughout the nation. Um for migration and, and uh, refugee services. So um, we, we receive funds from the, uh, what we call the USCCB, the, the Catholic bishops, and from the, uh, the state of Virginia in their newcomers program. Okay. And so so that, that's about a quarter. Um, and then uh, we, we receive some funds from the, the diocese, uh, which comes through collections at, at the uh, all the parishes, uh, and then uh, so that plus the, the Christmas collections probably about 13 14 percent. We have uh, an annual ball, uh, and we uh, we had just had our ball be- just before the pandemic. Oh, uh, that was and, good timing. <laughs> yes, and then the next year. Uh, we couldn't have an in-person event, but we had a video event, and we raised, af- after the expenses of putting on the, the ball, mm-hmm. uh, which is at the Ritz-Carlton, um, 
we netted the same amount as the previous year, which had been a record for us. So Isn't that amazing? Know. Yes. That's what I'm talking then, about. Yes. But then we gathered for our 40th anniversary this past February. As Omicron was, the numbers were, you know, they were beginning to come down, and there was a lot of questions, should we even be having the ball? And, uh, you know, it was a real struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we raised well over 1.6 million. Oh, Ron, my. And we, uh, because of social distancing at the hotel, we had 250 less people. And uh, people just gave. I mean, they they w- wanted to uh, support these programs. Yes. It was, it was um, just, uh, I would say, probably $350,000 more than our record year. Look at God. Uh, mm. And then... Um, and then we have just some some other ways, uh, small ways, but but that's how we raise the money. So we, uh, you know, we're probably headed into this coming fiscal year, uh, probably at about a twenty-three million dollar budget. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, we continue to grow. Well, all I can do is congratulate you. You know, I always have a question that I love to ask each of my guests, and you're no different. My question is, Mr. Chairman of the Board, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? What would we do? You can't well, fail, so the sky's the limit. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think, um, I, well, I, I think we have reached... Uh, again, I think because of the pandemic, I think we have reached a new level. I think we would probably look to um, expand some of our programs. Okay. Um, Why not all I of them? Think, you can't fail. Well, that's right. We, we, we would expand um, uh, um, the reach of those programs, too. Okay. Um, so that we would be further out in, into the diocese. So perhaps uh, on, the, on the outer edges, not as close in to, um, to Arlington. Um, I think we would look to, um, th- there are some programs that uh, we would love to be able to do, senior housing, uh, which is uh, becoming an issue because of the cost of living in this area. And uh, the population's growing older. Yes, and and to have a big senior housing project. Yeah. Uh, I think we would like more transitional housing to stabilize. Yes, that's excellent. Yes, yes, yes. Uh Uh-huh. And um, I would like to uh, see two or three more medical clinics. Okay. Uh, You know, we... we I tell you what, don't put the numbers on them. Don't put the numbers on because remember, you can't fail. So... Medical clinics, oh, transitional housing. See, you're trying to do this like you always do, with like a like a numbers man. That's not what I ask you, Mr. Ron. Mm-mm, no, I wanted you to dream. And you know what? It seems so interesting to me when I ask people to dream. It is so hard of them for them to move out of their reality and say, "I can do anything." Right? But I'm not going to push you, you any. So right. I know I'm right. I know I'm right on that. Yes. But meanwhile, meanwhile, 
you know we've been talking up a streak, right? And time is beginning yeah. to run out. But there's something I ask you to do as your homework yeah. to prepare. And I ask yeah. each of my guests, because uh, when I ask them to write a letter to their younger self, it generally reflects growth and uh, what they know now. So let's see what you came up with. You ready for that? I, I am. Thank you. Okay. Go ahead. So here's my letter. Dear young Ron, as you graduate from college, you are wondering about life's purpose. You have been raised in a loving family, received a good education, and enjoy assisting others. Yet, you have fallen away from your faith after initially surrendering your life to the Lord. The Lord has not abandoned you. The seeds of faith planted in you will grow even though for a while you will deny him. There will be many blessings, even with the stumble into your career path and personal struggles. These struggles strengthen you and make you wiser. You will excel in your profession with hard work, capability, integrity, and desire to please. Although you may be blind now to God's grace, years later you will be grateful for his presence. While you will wed your college sweetheart, you will come to a profoundly deeper love once you have invited the Lord into your life and marriage. You will lovingly provide for your family and ensure their good education, not fully understanding yet the love of the Father. God will pour his love into your heart, and then you will love your family and neighbor in a more profound way. The Lord wants to transform your service to others from that which feeds your ego to a genuine desire to reveal his love to others. You will come to understand that the leadership to which you aspire must be servant leadership. That is, not simply exercising authority over others, but mentoring others to help them rise up and addressing the bodily and spiritual needs of others when there is a sacrifice. To resist the lifelong struggle with the temptation to seek power, prestige, and material wealth, you must embrace the spiritual life, which means sacrificial love as you keep your eyes on the Lord. Strive to become the person that God created you to be. And above all, Remember that the Lord loves you, your future self. I love that. I love it a lot. Thank you so much, Ron. You know, Thank I love you. it. Uh, this time that we have together, it just uh, gives us an opportunity to uh, be in ways that we can't always be. Uh, we have an audience. They hear us. They learn. Hopefully they're inspired. What I want you to know, I like to send everybody home with a positive feeling and a positive thought. Your seat at the uh, table is guaranteed. I look forward to next time. But until then, you remember, you're worthy. You're stronger than you feel. You're smarter than you think. You're more beautiful than you know more love than you can ever imagine.
You are chosen. You are important. Treat yourself like someone you love. You've been listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, Cablecast on Cox and Verizon Files, Channel 37, and Comcast, Channel 27 in Reston, and webcast worldwide on the Internet at RadioFairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Please understand, I'll be living intentionally and listening for you until next time. This is Tyra G.